I'm going to start out rather precariously. You'll see why I say that. In the world of particle physics, a world that I know virtually nothing about, I know some names, and I started out in science in college. But uh, in that world of particle physics, there are little bits of matter that constitute reality. And so small that you cannot imagine, see them. They are called the building blocks of the universe. And they have such curious names as quarks and leptons and bosons. All together at the present chart, uh, there, there are 16. Uh, four bosons, six of leptons and six quarks. In turn, there are four identifiable forces, gravity, electromagnetism, strong and weak nuclear forces. From these particles and forces, physicists try to explain the phenomenon of existence. Or if you want, what is real? The problem is they were dealing and are dealing with such minute theoretical things that for the most part, uh, these are guesses based on mathematical models. The problem is that these feeble attempts, if you will, uh, to explain reality are just that, feeble. That is why the models keep shifting. Uh, I looked at some models from about 1984 to the present, and everything keeps shifting, so much so that... Uh, the model is so reconstituted every little bit that you wonder if there's any value in it at times. But surely there are powers and surely there are forces uh, that uh, are at play to make things the way they are. The problem is we can't get a clear enough picture to explain very much. On top of this, these same physicists, or at least some of them, postulate that there are many dimensions, even up to 11. And uh, all but four are unknown to all of us. Now, what are they trying to do? They're trying to explain things based on observation trying to explain things and to make sense out of things and to come up with some kind of meaning and some kind of account of the way things are. Well, I want to use that as a backdrop to talk about another kind of power today. And maybe it is this power that enables us to begin to make sense of things, to be able to put things together rather than postulating 11 dimensions, maybe we'll have 20 one of these days. Uh, the model will change so much. And maybe it will be all kinds of other forces that we discover. I do not know. But let me say that the Christian and the believer 
look to another power that you cannot really observe through the eye or through uh, some large cyclotron, that it is only apprehended through faith. And this power, says the apostle, is at work in our world. And if it is truly at work in our world, this power, it seems to me it makes sense of everything. So let us come to the text, which is found primarily in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, though I will go back further into chapter 1. And really what I want you to see is this. As Christians, we believe that the power of God, in addition to those powers that he created originally, we believe that the power of God is at work in our world and in our lives. And uh, it is through this power that we are able to discern meaning in life and that we have hope for the future for our lives. So it is that simple. Without this power in our world, we would have, in, in a real sense, no meaning, except what we create ourselves. And we would have no hope, except what we conjure up in our imagination. The first thing I want to talk about is the power that exists. When the Apostle Paul uh, often talks about power, he uses a word that is very familiar to all of you. All of you, I think, know what, you know what dynamite can do. Dynamite. And uh, the word dynamite comes from a Greek word, dunamis, which means power. And what the Apostle Paul says is that there is a power at work in the world. Let me read something of the text and get to where he talks about power. First of all, he starts with a prayer of thanksgiving. Because of this power, he is able to give thanks. Thanks to God. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and sealed him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far, he says, far above all rule and authority and other powers and dominions. Christ now reigns in power, is what he is saying. And we as believers include that in our understanding of reality. 
it is not automatically excluded as the physicist is apt to do. If you stick strictly to the subject of physics, you're only looking for material things. Only things that can be observed. Only things that are subject to experimentation. But in this case, the apostle is saying there is another power which is not apprehended through any of your ordinary physical powers that you have and possess. You have sight and hearing. You have taste and touch and smell. And you are able through these sensory avenues to your brain, you're able to make calculations and guess about things and reconstruct things. Mathematics is the language of science. And it is able to predict things based on our observations. But when it comes to this power, there is nothing within us that can understand or suspect or apprehend or comprehend that power. It is only received by faith and understood. It takes a new, if you will, understanding that comes through faith. That's why St. Augustine once said that he believed in order to understand. And it is through coming to belief of who Jesus is and what he did for us and having faith or trust in him that we begin to see this other power at work in our world, which makes all the difference. All the difference. And this one who now reigns on high and reigns in power is that one who enables us now to, to apprehend it. Now, two or three things I want to say about this. If you look at verse 17, he, he uses a curious phrase here. In verse 17, when the apostle is writing, he says in this, the, he talks about, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I say that is a curious phrase because it does not mean, of course, that there is God and then there is Jesus. Jesus truly is divine, the second person of the Trinity. But he is God the Father. And this is God the Son. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom Christ revealed to us, he is that one who is working in the world through his Son. In verse 13, part of the text that I did not read, the Holy Spirit is associated with this power. This power, though, has been supremely manifest in Jesus Christ. This is Christ the King, or uh, Sunday. And that is always the last Sunday in the church year. Before we go on to Christmas, Christians are asked to remember who Jesus is. He is the risen Lord who now reigns in kingly power above. But he is at work in this world. 
I want to read from Colossians. I preached a sermon from this a few months back. And in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 20, there is a magnificent summary of what it means for Jesus to reign as king and who he is. And starting at verse 13, he says in Colossians chapter 1, of Christ, he says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now notice, that is talking about our relationship to Christ as our Redeemer. But notice the context in which it is in. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over creation. And notice the language. It is striking. For by him all things were created. All the little powers, if you will, that the scientists observe, and yes, they are little in the sight of God, all the little powers derive from the Creator through Christ. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, there is no power apart from Christ. But there is this extra dimension of power that he goes on to say, and all things were created by him and for him. Now notice what he says. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Through Christ, the second person of the Trinity, God brought creation into being. Through Christ, the second person of the Trinity, all things hold together and then in Ephesians, it says, through Christ who reigns above, this special power comes to us and is now at work in our world. This is a wonderful picture. It is a wonderful picture. Now, in particle physics, they suspect that there is another boson that would be the fifth one. It's called the Higgs boson. And this boson, they postulate, they, they've never, never been able to have a collision in a cyclotron to find it. They just suspect that it's there based on their mathematics. It has to be. And if we could find this particular boson, it would explain an awful lot of things, they say. It's called the Higgs boson, but it has another name. It's called the God particle. Now, I don't know what they will find in particle physics. I have no idea. But let me use the Higgs boson or the God particle as a metaphor for the power that comes to us through Christ. My friend, there is a power at work in our world, and every believer has experienced that power. Earlier on in this chapter, the Apostle Paul says that we have been raised to from the dead by the power of God. Every believer has been raised from the dead. 
He doesn't say that about everyone. He says that through faith in Christ, we are raised from the dead. Have you ever wondered why you see things so differently than a lot of your unbelieving friends? It may be that you're experiencing a kind of power that they have no access to. It may be that you have an understanding of things that they have yet to tap into. Moreover, if I understand what it means to be raised from the dead, it means that a dead person has no power before, but they've received a certain kind of power to live. To live in a new reality or to see reality in a different way. It's interesting that in this prayer of thanksgiving, Paul prays that their minds and hearts might be illumined. Did you notice that in the text? He says, I ask the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Yes, I think Christians do see things differently. I think we see things differently when it comes to rearing children. I think we th see things differently when it comes to education. I think we see things differently in every realm of life. Because this power is at work within us. We have been raised from the dead. Faith has given us a new set of eyes. C.S. Lewis once made a profound comment at this point. He says, it's not so much that I have received Christ the light. It is that I see everything else by him, for he illuminates everything else for me. Yes, you do. This is the power at work. And there are two important benefits of this power at work in your life. First of all, first of all, you do indeed see everything differently, and it gives meaning to everything that you do. Now, one of the problems in a very secular society that we have been growing into for a long time, whenever God is excluded from the public square, whenever, if you will, God is excluded from the structures of society, it means that people are cut off from this power and its presence. And what it means is that we begin to get confused. There's a kind of darkness that settles in upon us and we cannot see. You know, human beings really can't see very well at night. I, I have my cats, I watch them at night. They don't even know when I turn the lights off or on, I don't think. I've tried to test that thing, it doesn't seem to be attracted to the light in the way of a human being in the darkness will go to. They just keep going around wherever they are. Last night, my cat was out lost, one of them, and it's not supposed to be out lost. And I turned on the back porch light. It didn't make any difference. I was hoping you'd see the light and come home. <laughs> but there's no, not a possibility. Now, to a human being, that might mean something. It's lost on my, my cat. But notice, this light gives us meaning. 
We don't have to make up our own meaning. We're told that postmodernism is characterized by the person individually making up their own meaning about life. You decide what meaning is. Now, if we carried that through, just think of what would happen. We couldn't even communicate with each other because your reality wouldn't be my reality. We'd be all making it up. You couldn't study any, any discipline. You couldn't study music. You couldn't study art. You couldn't study science. You couldn't study anything. We'd all be doing it our own way. That's the breakdown of everything. But there is a meaning that we can see. There is a meaning that we can enter into that is already there. It's real, but it is only understood through this power as he gives us light to see and to understand what he is doing. You exclude God from the world and there is true darkness. The second thing that you get is hope. Paul uses hope over and over in this text. I think sometimes Christians get confused. What is the difference between faith and hope? Well, there's a very simple difference between faith and hope. Faith is always something in the present that you are doing. Faith in the Bible, for the most part, means to trust. You trust in Christ. You trust Christ with your life. His destiny is your destiny. You have faith in that. But hope has to do with the future and the outcome. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here in this text, because this power is at work in the world, there is an outcome that will be honoring to God and to your benefit. And he prays that this hope might grow more and more in your heart and life. My friend, times can be perilous. Throughout history, times can be dangerous for people. It can create all kinds of situations for us to live in. But the problem is that unless you have hope, you may think that life is just a series of hopeless episodes that leads to nothing. But hope is certain of an outcome. And that outcome belongs to him who who has been raised from the dead and now reigns on high and comes at the end of history. But this is the same one who has come in the middle of history for you and for me. There is a power at work in the world. And this great power is the power of God. And if it were not for this power... Think of the alternative. What do the particle physicists see about the world? Well, let's take your life. It's very short. Let's take all of life from the beginning of time to the present and to the future. In cosmological time, it's very short. In fact... You look at the normal state of things, and the normal state of things is no life. It's death. It is only the power of God at work in us that is able to see us. We're able to see that the final word is not death, but life. And it's in Jesus Christ. So that's why Paul gave thanks. 
and when you gather around your Thanksgiving tables this coming Thursday. I hope you will give thanks most of all for that one who is the power of God, the great King, even our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us new and eternal life due to his great power. Amen.